Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. I am very much aware of how short life is every single day. And when I think about doing something, my approach now is much more, why not? Like, why shouldn't I? Why shouldn't I try? What's the worst that can happen? Those are some of the things that I think versus what I used to think, which was analysis paralysis or why would I think I could do that? Now I don't have any of that. That baggage has been tossed out the window and it's been repl- it has been replaced with why not? I know you are doing the best that you can right now. Your relationships matter to you. You are important. And yet over time, we get stuck. We get lost or we stop showing up as our true self. We get hung up on the stories we tell ourselves, the comparisons, or feeling like we are not good enough. I'm Not Your Shrink is a podcast aimed at helping you feel connected to yourself, to others, and to live a life that is in line with what matters most to you. I'm Dr. Tracy Dalgleish, clinical psychologist and couples therapist. I bring you clinical knowledge and evidence-based research, experiences of sitting in the therapist chair and being a wife and mother to talk about everyday issues we all face to help you change the dialogue in your life. Let's dive in. Today, I'm sitting with Zibby Owens. Zibby Owens is the creator and host of the award-winning daily podcast, Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. She's also the founder and CEO of Zibby Media, dubbed the Zibbyverse by LA Times. And I recently had the chance to visit her beautiful independent bookstore in Santa Monica called Zibby's Bookshop. It is stunning and has so many beautiful selections in there. And truly, sitting with Zibby was this chance to share our love for books and storytelling and also asking ourselves questions like, why not me? Zibby is a regular contributor to Good Morning America, as well as other outlets. And she is also the author of Bookends, a memoir of love, loss, and literature, and children's book, Princess Charming, as well as the editor of two anthologies. A graduate of Yale University and Harvard Business School, Zibby currently lives in New York with her husband and her four children, ages 9 to 16. Let's go into today's conversation. Zibby, thank you so much for joining me here on the podcast. I am so excited and honored, truly, to get the chance to sit with you. And I am holding your new book, which is out. The screen there is blank. Um, Oh, my goodness. You did such a fantastic job taking us along the journey with Pippa and her struggles as a writer, which I think I, I imagine you can relate to some of those blank page moments. I know I certainly can relate to them, but really not even just her struggling to write, but struggling with her identity and being a mom and juggling all of the demands and pressures of life that were right in front of her. Yes, I can totally relate. (laughs) (laughs) It did come out of one piece of my brain. So although it's fiction, of course, there are some pieces of life and the juggle and all of it that I included. And 
the time even writing the novel where it was hard to write the novel. And then I wrote about that part of writing the novel. So it was all very meta. <laughs> yes, of course. Right. And how, how real that is when it comes out in the stories we tell and our own identities that come out and, and also to how healing stories can be. But when I was thinking about Pippa and not necessarily the parallels to you, but just that piece about our sense of self, I was thinking of, the many hats that she was wearing in in the stories you lay out there with with her and how she navigates trying to write this next book of hers and the complexities of her relationships. I was also thinking about all of the hats that you wear in your identity. You are a podcast host. You uh, own a beautiful bookshop. You are a thought leader. What was your, let us jump into your world. What was your first entry into the work that you're doing and into your love for books? Oh, well, have loved books since I could read. I started writing when I was able to hold a pencil, basically, and had my first article come out when I was 14 in Seventeen Magazine, or I wrote it when I was 14. And I took a big break. I'm fast forwarding, um, but I took a big break. I had a background in marketing, I went to business school, some advertising, but really my love was always understanding consumer behavior, understanding people, learning about people. I never get tired as I'm sure you can probably relate to this, but I just don't ever get tired of hearing people's stories like ever. Uh, so the podcast is a perfect thing for me to do. And I realized that after I got a divorce and I had some extra time, which was hard not being with my kids when I didn't have custody of them, you know, every other weekend and and so on. And I had this therapist actually remind me because I was always talking about books that with a good book, you'll never be lonely. So even though the weekends might feel long and uh, I miss them terribly, books would sustain me as they have. And so I kind of dove back in with a vengeance into reading and also into writing. And I tried to sell a book years ago. I have I had written my first book that I tried to sell when I was 27 or so, and that had not sold. And I was still, you know, determined that I would sell a novel one day and didn't want to give up. And I started writing again, got an agent, all of that. And I heard that I didn't have a platform and that was really important. So I decided to get on Instagram and start a podcast and see what would happen. And that was in 2018. And it turned out that. Yes, I have actually, as a result, been able to sell a novel and a memoir and a children's book and whatever myself. But the power that's come from the interviews I've done and meeting so many people and starting my own publishing company, that has been a bazillion times more rewarding than if I had just achieved my original goals. So it started with the podcast, started really with writing essays again uh, for places like HuffPost and Scary Mommy and writing about parenting and all of that. I have four kids. I was in the thick of it. I'm I'm still, but now my thick of it is sort of in a different forest, if you will, with teenagers and little slightly older kids. But it started with writing again and reading again and seeing what it was like to start a podcast. And that's, it started with that. And here you are. And for, for those who don't know, your podcast is called Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books, which is such a fantastic name. How did you come up with the name for the podcast? Thank you. My husband, he wasn't my husband then, but we were we were dating or engaged or something. And he said to me one night, you should really take all these essays that you're writing and turn them into a book. And I said, Ugh, moms don't have time to read books. 
And then I was like, oh, that's so funny. I should make that the title of my book. So I actually had a whole book proposal that was called Moms No Time to Read Books. And I found out that people in publishing would not find that funny. But I still had the name. And when a friend suggested I start a podcast, I thought, oh, wait, perfect. I'll just take that title and that'll be the title of the podcast. Hmm. I really connect with your experience around stories and human behavior because it, it is so interesting when, from, from my chair anyways, it, it's interesting to see first how we are so different, how we can view the same experience in such different ways and make meaning of something so differently, ranging from joyful moments to loss and painful moments. But then at our core, we all come down to this piece of knowing we're enough, knowing ourselves, knowing we matter. And I think that's something that I love about hearing people's stories is when they can actually come to that place of recognizing, I can do this. This is important to me. This is what creates meaning for me. Meaning and also connection. I mean, the relationships between people or how they find their sense of belonging, I think is also essential to most storytelling. Yeah, that sense of belonging. And within that, it's kind of like, okay, so if I believe that I belong, then I can also take those steps forward to do what it is that fills me up. Yes. Yes. So when, when I think of moms, um, parents in general, people in general, we often have these beliefs or these kind of thoughts on repeat that stop us from actually taking this leap to do things mm-hmm. like starting the podcast or going back to the chapters and the pages they've written. And I'm curious to be, what, what were some of those hurdles that you had to get over? You know, the, I'm not enough of this, or I'm too much of that, or I'll never be, what did that look like for you on your journey? Because so often what we see is, especially as a published author, you land in this spot, but we don't get to see the, all of the ups and flows and ups and downs that come beforehand. Yes. And there were many. <laughs> it's interesting. I, I did a podcast myself this morning with a woman named Dr. Edith Shiro about post-traumatic growth. And we were talking about the same thing and how you sometimes after trauma, it opens you up to more, to pursuing the things that you love without as much interior censorship, if you will, because you know that life is short or you're closer to what your ideals are in life and what's important and all that. So I credit past traumatic experiences in my life. Not that I've lived this perfect traumatic life. I I haven't at all, but I have lost many people that I've loved. And I I lost my best friend on 9-11 when I was 25, which is a huge deal for me. She was my roommate and um, that changed me forever. And I proceeded to lose a lot of other people I loved in the year in the year or two after that, I lost many people close to me. And it was one of those times of life where once I came out of it, everything looked very different. And I am very much aware of how short life is every single day. And when I think about doing something, my approach now is much more, why not? Like, why shouldn't I? Why shouldn't I try? What's the worst that can happen? Those are some of the things that I think versus what I used to think, which was analysis paralysis, or why would I think I could do that? Now I don't have any of that. That baggage has been tossed out the window and it's been repl- it has been replaced with, why not? Why, why not try? Let me try. Let me try to teach myself. If someone else can do it, why can't I do it? Like I tell myself this, I have a terrible sense of direction and I'm not like the best driver, I have to say. So things like 
picking someone up at the airport scare me to death. And I have to keep telling myself, you know, if all these other people can find their way through an airport, I have to be able to figure this out. So whether it's something big or something tiny, there's an answer for that. There's a YouTube video for that. There's like some way that I can learn more and be able to do it if other people can do it. I connect to that so much in the sense that my husband and I had our first solo trip without the kids in years, years. I I mean, I don't think we've ever even had this. We haven't had this amount of time away. And we were in Portugal and we rented kayaks and we had to go into the caves and the Algarve. And I'm no, no, I can't. Let's just stay out. He's like, we can't just stay out. We have to go in. We're here. This is the experience. I say, I can't, I don't know how to do this. And he's like, he he said those exact words. Other people can do this. (laughs) You can too. Look around. They're all doing it. And, And truthfully, I did not do what I'm supposed to do, but I did end up flipping us. <laughs> but we were completely fine. And it is really, it's such a beautiful metaphor for so many of those other moments every single day of whether I'm, you know, me or the listeners, if you're communicating something, something hard, if you have to be uncomfortable, if you have to make a decision. And I know even in my own journey of writing my book, there was so much of what will others think of me mm-hmm. and how is this going to land? What am I opening up here? I'm not enough to, I'm, who am I to write about this stuff, regardless of how many years I've sat in my chair? But it, it, it's such a, a, a healthy way and helpful way to look at something and say, why not? This is one life. Instead of being weighed down by all of those hard thoughts and feelings that just stop us from doing things that are actually really meaningful to us. Yeah. Although I do still get lost in airports and you just still do end up upside down. At least we feel empowered to do it and to try and have like, you know, that frame of mind to be able to get through. But yes, I had my phone in a Ziploc bag and (laughs) we all got wet. It happened twice. I wish it only happened once, but It is what it is. Support for today's episode comes from Loop Earplugs. For so long after having children, I kept wondering why I was easily overwhelmed and felt like an angry mom. The noise from the kids, the dog barking, and the sounds around me from everyday life. But I now understand that I'm not an angry mom and instead my nervous system gets overwhelmed and overstimulated, which is why I've been turning more and more to my loop earplugs to help me stay more regulated and engaged with the family. I'm using Loop Engage to help dampen the sound around me. And these Loop earplugs allow me to still be with every beat and conversation. I still hear Greg. I can still hear the kids. I love that they are so comfortable and they come with eight silicone ear tips to ensure the right fit for you. The best part for me is that I take them everywhere with me. They are proving the test of time and not to mention they're stylish in my ears. Plus, we love the kids versions, which we've been able to take to the movies for our kids. I'm so excited that Loop Earplugs is offering you, my community, a discount so that you too can tackle that overstimulation while still being engaged with the activities and people you love. Visit loopearplugs.com and use my code Loop times Dr. Tracy for 10% off your order. That's L-O-O-P-X-D-R-T-R-A-C-Y for 10% off your order. 
Support for today's episode comes from ZocDoc. We all know there are things in life we have to compromise on, like the right way to load a dishwasher or whether those socks are going to stay on the floor for a week. Okay, in all seriousness, but when it comes to your mental health, there is no compromise. So we don't need to go back to that one therapist or one physician who didn't align with what we need just because they're available right now. We don't need to compromise on the care we need for our overall wellness. Instead, this is where ZocDoc comes in. This is a place where you can find and book hundreds of types of doctors, including therapists, psychologists, and psychiatrists. And you can find someone who will make you feel comfortable, listen to you, and prioritize your well-being. ZocDoc is a free app and website where you can search and compare hundreds of types of patient-reviewed in-network doctors, including mental health providers, and instantly book appointments with them online. You can search by location, availability, and insurance. Go to ZocDoc.com I-N-Y-S and download the ZocDoc app for free. Then find and book a top-rated doctor today. If I needed this app, this is one that I would be going to. That's zocdoc.com slash inys and get the care that you need today. So knowing of all of these hats that you wear and all that you're doing, actually, it was funny. I had opened up your newsletter one day and thought I could have written these exact words. I think you're on an airplane doing A and then B and then C and just all of your time filled. And it it is one of those higher drives where you're go, go, going, because that is part of what fills you up. So I'm curious to hear from you what you think of the expression of work-life balance, because that is the sentence that mothers are always fed. So my balance continues to shift as life goes, as with many parents. I was at home with the kids for a long time. The scale was weighted much more home and much less work. Ultimately, that is not my happy place. As much as I adore my kids, I know I feel like compelled to say this, obviously. Well, maybe not, obviously. I adore my kids. I love being with them. But for me to be at my best, I need something else to keep me going. I like to throw myself into things. So that balance, I think, was skewed um, for my optimal self. I mean, to me, I don't, I was just talking to a new girlfriend about this. Boredom and relaxation are very close together. I don't do well relaxing Unless, like, even when I'm on vacation, I'm like, okay, what is, what's our schedule here? Like, what like, oh, I, did I read enough? Did I finish enough books today? Like, I, everything is like very <laughs> intentional. And I'm just like that. And I'm 47 years old now. And I finally have been like, okay, you know what? This is who I am. Like, I'm not going to be happy just laying on this beach doing nothing for seven days. I'm going to be happy if I read seven books in seven days. And that's okay. And like maybe starting a new business and having all these creative ideas because like that fills me with joy. Um, I think for me, even though I miss my kids so, so much when they're with their dad, um, that has actually been from a professional standpoint, something that ended up being helpful because I had no guilt pursuing what I loved on those days. I had to fill those days and it's enabled me to do a lot that I don't know how I could have done if I had not gotten divorced. Not that I'm advocating divorce for anybody, but um, I needed that time. I have a really hard time compartmentalizing. I have a really hard time when, you know, on all the, most of the time the kids are with me. And it's like, you know, mom, do this, mom, do that. Just like everybody else. And it's like, 
yesterday the kids were home and my son's like, you barely saw me. And I was like, but I know you had off of school for this random Tuesday, but like, I didn't have off of work today. So, you know, glad I love my work, but like, you know, glad you had fun. (laughs) So I don't know. I just try to do my best. Um, That wasn't a really clear answer. I don't think there is such a perfect balance. Every day is different. I kind of give myself a, I think through every day afterwards. I'm like, how did I do today? Like, was I okay as a mom? Was I okay as a, like, how many balls did I drop? Like, was anything a big deal? What was something good? Like, I just kind of like go through this like mental report and make sure that I've given great time to the kids. And maybe it's not all day, every day, like it used to be, but it's us, you know, making some quiz about some potential trip my kid might want to take to Singapore, which we're never going to go to. So anyway, it's about the small moments and the moments of connection and doing the best we can. And I don't know, just so there's a, there's a out. sense of, of leaning in though. And, and I think in some ways, Pippa does that in the book in some ways too, don't you think? In, in yeah. blank, that she she has to almost lean in to where she's going instead of kind of leaning out and resi- and resisting. And it's so interesting because I know, especially in the world of social media or um, the information being shared, as great as our newsletters and podcasts and social media posts are, they also keep providing more information for potential ways or comparisons for how you should be or should not be. And I, I actually sit in a lot of that resistance when someone said, and actually I had a healthcare provider say this to me, you are stressed. There's a lot on your plate. Maybe you don't write your book as fast as you plan to. And I could feel inside of me just burn up in fire and think I didn't vocalize it, but I thought, (laughs) <laughs> no, I'm going to write this book fast. Don't tell me to slow down. That's not who I am. And because when I slow down, while well, there's always that push pull and the balance of what does it actually look like to find those pockets of slower, intentional work, I thrive in doing the things. I thrive in going it. And I think part of our work, really, in terms of living meaningfully, is tuning into what works for you, not what works for somebody else or for all of the posts and messages. But so I really love that you had emphasized that in in this world that we talk about with balance. And I think it's so important that as women and mothers, we call that out, that Mm -hmm. I don't think there is, it's, it used to be one of my sticking points when people would say to me, you just need to find work-life balance. I don't know what that looks like. And I know I will never find work-life balance because sometimes work is heavier and other times life is heavier. True. We just published a book, which is now a USA Today bestseller called Everyone But Myself, a memoir by Julie Chavez. Congratulations. And- Julie's going to be on the podcast as well. So I'm glad oh, to, to give her a Great. plug. Fantastic. Okay. Congratulations. Uh, but Julie's whole thing as the mom is be adequate. Like it doesn't have to be perfect. And I have been trying to quote unquote, lean into that more. I was hosting a book event, for example, for an author friend yesterday. And what I originally intended to do was get like custom cookies with her book on it. And her book cover was sort of black and gold. And I was like, it would look so great if I got black and gold balloons and matching napkins and this and that. And you know what? I didn't end up having time to do that. And yesterday I was like, should I try to get this? Should I do this? When I was already doing so many other things. And I was like, you know what? You're having this beautiful lunch. You have lunch. You have the books you're opening up this wonderful space. Like no one's going to know if the balloons are missing. And so I was like, I don't need the balloons. And it doesn't make me a failure that there was something else I could have done that I didn't do. I just decided not to do it. It wasn't worth it. It wasn't going to move the needle on how successful the event was. So I think for me and for people who are like, 
always like, go, go, go. Let's write the book fast. Let's do this. Not everything has to be done at the, at the same level. Some things are okay. If they're in your mind to be, that might be an A to somebody else. Mm. You come back to that piece of connection of how important connection is that I know I put that kind of pressure on myself as well. I could easily make the list of all of the grand things for the event to do. And yet what people remember is often how they felt there and who they spoke to and who they connected with. And I imagine that's what people will hold on to following that event. And nobody will say, you know, Zippy didn't get the balloons. You know, the, the matching yeah. balloons weren't there. Can't believe she, like, no one's going to be saying no that. No one's going to say that. It's true. Yeah. It's good. But it's good to remember, whether it's an event or something for the kids or, you know, the, the weekend doesn't have to be perfectly planned. You can do one thing and not 27 things. It's okay. It, it's okay. It is what it is. Who's judging at the end of the day? So. so tell us more about blank and what inspired you to write it. Because your entry into the fiction world versus you've written a memoir and two other books, correct? Yes, I wrote a memoir um, called Bookends, a memoir of love, loss, and literature. And I had a children's book out called Princess Charming. And then I edited two anthologies. But this is my first published novel. And I'm so excited because I've been trying to get a novel for so long. And what inspired it, both my husband and my son seem to think that they came up with the idea for this book. Uh, I always have ideas and um, I have this fabulous editor, Harmon Johnson at Little A, who published my memoir. And so the whole time after I finished the edits, I kept emailing her with ideas for novels. And she's like, well, let's really talk about it. Like, if you want to write a novel, like, let's really think it through. Um, and then we talked about this blank book, my my husband, my son and I. And, um, and I'm like, that would be such a great idea for a book. What would happen if someone tried to publish a blank book? and made it, tried to make it a bestseller. Would it become a bestseller? How would, what would the ripple effect of that be? And I was just so interested in how that would look. So I pitched the idea to Armin and she thought it was a really fun idea too, and decided to buy the book. And then I had to write it, which doesn't usually happen with fiction. Usually you write it and then it sells. But um, I'm actually doing the same thing now with my next book, which I'm excited about and would very much like her to say, okay. <laughs> um, waiting for that. that out to the universe. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, uh, how about now? We have an answer. Starting to do some podcasts about like, where's the answer? <laughs> um, but yeah, I just, I am so deep in the publishing world right now as a publisher, but also as an, an author and as a bookstore owner and all of it that I have gotten to see this industry up close and wondered what might happen if things were to change is it like art where what you're putting out there is in response to something that's come before it that's like the whole like modern art movement it's not just a blank canvas it's a statement about something that came before it um could that could it be interpreted that way in books what would happen but that's only one slice it's really as you said before about it's about being a, a wife and a mom and a friend and a daughter and just like all the things and how it all kind of blows up in your face when one thing gets thrown off course. Mm-hmm. Support for today's episode comes from Cozy Earth. You know I am all about caring for ourselves, especially in these busy years with our young kids. We are pulled in so many directions, but I think it's so important for us to find ways to nurture ourselves that require no additional time from us. 
I should probably let you in on one of my favorite things to do to look after me, and that is to get a good night's sleep on amazing sheets. I am beyond thrilled to bring you Cozy Earth's luxurious bedding products with an exclusive Mother's Day offer just for my listeners. We've got a code. It's SHRINK, S-H-R-I-N-K, for 35% off at CozyEarth.com. Now, I didn't believe it until I tried them, but I firmly stand by my sleep improving with the temperature regulating technology, which adapts to your body's needs. For the past year, I have not slept on any other brand of sheets. Cozy Earth uses the very best fabrics, materials, and wares, offering superior softness for you to sink into at the end of those long days. I look forward to getting into bed, and we've been loving the sheets for over a year and their sleepwear is so unbelievably soft and it's made with such great quality but the best part is that if you're worried about commitment enjoy a 100 night sleep trial and a 10-year warranty on all of your purchases head over to cozyearth.com and use promo code shrink for an exclusive 35 percent off and give the luxury she deserves with cozy earth I felt that sense of almost, it was like a buzzing from Pippa. I really felt like this sense of buzzing from her and not feeling grounded in any space and how that even showed up in the different areas of her life and the um, arguing back and forth with the kids and getting at the door. Like, you know, it was just very relatable in the sense of what it feels like to be a mother with children. And my kids aren't teens yet, but I can imagine with (laughs) teens of when they're calling you out and saying like, you're not allowed to say that word anymore. Which <laughs> I think the in the book it was guys saying yeah. guys, mom, you're not allowed to say that. But it, it was so relatable. So people who are listening, I've got the link in the show notes. Make sure you grab it because it's yeah. it's such a fun journey. And one of the things for me, it was so interesting. I've been a, a long, lifelong lover of reading books. I can remember being a teenager in the summer with nothing to do. And I stayed up all night reading a book. And it's just, and I grabbed a book from your bookstore for my son, actually. Oh, what I'm gonna forget it. Benedict. I can't did you know the title? Something Adventures of Benedict? I can't remember. It was just very serendipitous that it was there. I picked it up and he's fallen in love with it. And it's been Aww. so cool to see the shared love of reading. Um, but I know in motherhood as well, though, it's often that experience of I don't have time. Mm-hmm. I feel like I'm being pulled everywhere. And what we've started to do is to actually I will say to the kids, I'm going to take 20 minutes of rest. I want to show them what rest looks like when I allow myself to do that. So I'll I'll lay on the couch with my book. And they have both gotten in the habit of grabbing their books as well and laying with me and all of us kind of respecting our own space, but having that chance to just connect over reading and the love for reading. So I'm curious, even I know many people who listen do have desires to write books. What, What was harder for you? Was it the fiction or nonfiction book? Fiction was much, much harder. (laughs) Um, I feel like for nonfiction, especially about my own life, I mean, I could sit, I could be anywhere. I've done it in like doctor's offices with like the laptop on my knees and like anywhere. I could just start writing. I could jump right in because like, of course, I remember my own scenes. But with fiction, I don't know. I need like quiet 
need a long stretch of time. I have like all these demands on myself. Like I want to be near nature and I want to be in a pretty setting. And I mean, which those conditions do not happen very often. And so when I get there, I'm like, and now I have to write 5,000 words in like an hour. <laughs> um, and I often find myself like falling asleep after I've written a while. It's, it's like so depleting. It's like an exorcism. I don't know. I get like exhausted and then like I have to sit up again and like, okay, I'm back in it. Um, so it's, it's hard, but I also am developing this muscle. And by the end of the book, it was much easier than at the beginning of the book. So I'm hoping as I now start this next book already, cause I've already written like 10,000 words that I'm gonna have to throw away. Ugh. Anyway, even for those, it's easier now. Like now I'm figuring out how to do it, but it is a new skill. It's like learning a new sport. Like when you're out of shape, it's not so easy to like all of a sudden be a kickboxer, right? You're going to like lose your breath. So I feel like I'm in, <laughs> I was like beginning kickboxing and now like I've gotten more in shape. And so hopefully I can do it better. I have to ask because it's something that stirs up for me is how do you then find the time? What does that look like in your schedule and how you approach? Because so many people will say, I want to write a book. And then it's just this want in the air, this wish one day. Yeah. Well, I think having accountability has been the most important thing. So with my editor, Carmen, as I mentioned, with her, I had deadlines and I then created even more deadlines. I create deadlines against my deadlines. Like, okay, I have to get it to Carmen by December 1st. I better finish by November 15th, just in case. <laughs> so I know that somebody else is going to be reading it, whether it's her or a girlfriend or my very first time I wrote a novel when I was in my 20s, I had a friend of mine, I would drop off pages at her apartment. So I need that level of accountability. Like it would be better if I had a trainer, which I do not, <laughs> which is probably how I would get to a gym, which is I'm not getting to a gym, but <laughs> I'm the type of person that needs for some things I need to know that somebody else is out there waiting for it. So um, I think finding that level of accountability is really helpful. Uh, where do I find the time? I literally have no idea how I'm going to find time to write another book of fiction this year novel because I'm going on a 50 plus stop tour called the Zivyverse tour and I'm going to go all over the country and I'm so excited to meet people who have been listening to my podcast for five years or new listeners who are reading books we publish or anything that we kind of touch and the whole system of what we put out there for book lovers and meeting them and getting to see places I've always wanted to go to or you know Indiana, like places all over the place. I'm from New York City. So um, I'm hoping that I end up writing a lot on airplanes because that will be convenient. And I'd love to write on airplanes. And um, yeah, I need stretches of time. So flights, events where I have to go by myself um, early in the mornings. I'm fresher in the morning. Some people, I just interviewed somebody who said like she needs the whole morning to burn off her energy and then she can focus in the afternoon. Mm. And I feel like the opposite of that. Like I have to get in earlier if possible, but there's nothing good coming out of my brain after like three o'clock in the afternoon. Like I can barely even sit in my office anymore. I'm like, all right guys, I'm going to go pick up my kids. It's not just because I want to pick up my kids and it is, but I, I can't even think anymore. Right. If I, you know, I start at like five in the morning, like by three, forget it. So not five, six, but anyway, I'm going to fit it in. I'm just going to fit it in. And it's just going to get done because it has to. And that's what life is about, right? We yeah, fill prioritize it. it, it yeah. It's what it's what fills you up. And it's it's what's meaningful. 
because right and that we do yeah. what's meaningful and as long as we continue to find ways to put that in that's what feels good that that brings that side effect of joy or happy or connection i'm you know i'm i'm actually really excited i'm excited to start writing again and yes. so i'm not viewing it as something i have to do nobody who's writing a book i mean very few people are writing it because like someone's sitting there waiting for you to write a novel right this has to come from you and you have to want to do it and you have to have fun with it or no one's gonna have fun reading it mm, that's so important to remember to, that it has to come from within and others will feel that when you're having fun it's not the pressured okay last question i always like to ask people as a little window inside of their worlds but what is one thing that you do every day to live a meaningful life i write every day either mm -hmm. even if it's just on instagram as a post or a substack or just something little i writing for me every day gives my life more meaning mm, i love that Thank you so much, Sibi, for joining me here. Where can people grab your book? What's the easiest place that they can go and click to? Honestly, anywhere. It's called Blank. Uh, it comes out in paperback and hardcover. If you read it, leave a review somewhere and tell your friends and come on the tour. My website is ZibiOwens.com so you can find everything there. Everything there. All, all of the links. Um, I know you also have retreats and yes. the podcasts. So we'll... Yeah, we'll, we'll put that all in the show notes, but for everyone to be sure to check it out. Thank you so much. Remember, this podcast is for educational purposes only and does not substitute for the care from a licensed mental health care provider. See you next week. What's up, guys? I'm Gabrielle Stone, host of FML Talk. After being love-bombed, married, and cheated on, trust me, I've got some perspective on love, heartbreak, trauma, and healing. FML Talk has become weekly therapy for my listeners, where I give you a safe space to heal with, of course, a few F-bombs thrown in. Fun girl talk episodes, solo episodes that will guide you on your healing journey, and guests with stories that will leave your jaw on the floor. Grab a cocktail and come hang with me every Wednesday on FML Talk.